Kane is in the building. <laughs> getting nicer basketball season's heating up baseball's around the corner you know what that means it's time to win some cash op sportsbook launches in late spring and will provide a fully encrypted and anonymous betting platform where users will bet with stable cryptocurrency this means that they can place bets with crypto without having to worry about the volatility of crypto powered by the solana blockchain and web3 technology opsportsbook.com represents the future of sports betting Repeat is proud to partner with them and always remember to bet responsibly. That's opsportsbook.com. Hello and welcome back to another 3P podcast episode. This is season five, episode 20. And we got a very special episode for you. I am your host, Josh Fromwitz. And once again, joining me are my other co-hosts, Alex Castle and TJ Hummel. TJ, once again, filling in for Stevie. So thank you for joining us, TJ. And this week, we are thrilled, honored, and it is our I, I messed that up already, but it doesn't matter. We've got okay, a very spe- we got a very special guest. We got Christian James. Some of you may recognize him from the new Netflix hit show All American. He is the quarterback at GAU. That is Wade Waters. Christian James, thank you for stopping by three Pete. Hey, Amen. Appreciate y'all for having me. This is a very, very kind of you guys to have me on here. We've all been fans of the show since literally episode one of season one. So it's really just an honor to have someone from one of our favorite shows on. So this one means a lot to us. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I'm happy to be here. So we want to jump right into it. And my first question for you is how'd you get into acting? Oh, uh, Long story short, um, I was uh, I was a CrossFit trainer. I was a CrossFit coach, and uh, I had someone walk up to me uh, during one of my classes, and they were like, "Hey, you got a you got a good look. You should try acting and modeling." And I was like, <laughs> "Sure." Um, and just by happenstance, uh, someone that I had, like a buddy of mine from high school, had a friend that got him into background acting. Um, and he was like, Hey, you should try this. And so I, uh, I applied for the first movie I did background work on was Tyler Perry's Medea's Christmas. So I applied for that. I remember I got accepted and I thought I was hot shit. I was just like, Oh hell yeah. Like, this is easy. Like they say it's hard done. I got it. Um, and then I actually got to set and realized that I was just one of a hundred people in the background. Um, but I, that's, that's how I got my like start into it. And then kind of have that Hollywood story where um, I did it for three months and then I did some like short films and indie films for some of the people I, I worked with on background that were just like no budget, just, you know, lowest of levels of like making something. And um, I got a comment on my Instagram one day from a, a manager, Jim Jordan. And he was like, hi, you know, my name's Jim Jordan. I represent actors and models out in LA. Like here's my email address, contact and I looked him up and saw he was legit. And, um, and yeah, so I signed with him. And then he got me signed in Atlanta, got me signed out in L.A. 
And uh, that's how I just got, got into the agency, started auditioning and um, ended up from there having like my first audition, uh, which I think was for Vampire Diaries. And I ended up meeting um, one of my like first mentors, Gary Weeks, who's been in a bunch of like Marvel, Marvel movies. Um, he's done, he's, he's been working for years now. Um, and yeah, so that's how I got my first like coach and my first like experience of like actually being in the acting world. And I did that for three years, um, sold everything in 2015, moved to LA, uh, couch surf, lived in a car for two months with a buddy. And, uh, and then, yeah, I got my first apartment and then just started building my, uh, my career out here and been blessed to be out here for six and a half years now and just got off of uh, filming season four for all Americans. So it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey. Quite a journey. It's so humbling, Christian, to to hear you know your story because you know the, the life of an actor. I, I can't even imagine you know the struggles that you've had to go through and all these different people that you've interacted with. So I just give you a lot of credit for doing that right off the bat. I, I, really, really do. Um, I appreciate that, man. So you said that you've had these different auditions. You've had your roles in some your different films, some CBS films. How did you end up with this current role uh, as Wade Waters for season four on All American? What what kind of led you up to to this role that you're you're currently in? Uh, honestly, my uh, my wife and I went to Argentina. She's she's originally from Argentina. We went to Argentina for Christmas uh, this past year, and uh, brought in the New Year's there, and then we flew back home on January 10th, um, and I believe on like the 12th. I got an email from my manager and my agency uh, and they're just like, Hey, you have this audition for all American for this character, Wade Waters. Um, I was like, all right, cool. So uh, I called up my buddy uh, Drake that day who he actually is just now he's the lead of the CW, the Winchesters and it was spinoff of, uh, or the prequel to supernatural. Um, so I called him up and he was like, yeah, I can, I can throw you down a tape. So went over to his place Um and uh and yeah it was it was funny it was just kind of like you know the character was cocky arrogant douchebag you know uh quarterback for college heisman you know contender um and i was like okay this is i can have fun with this like um so we brought out <laughs> my buddy had a, a pull-up bar like in his house and so we brought that and like the beginning scene which is uh you know, uh, not really a spoiler, but when you watch the first episode, I come into episode 13, um, you know, I come and I'm just like, yo, thanks for carrying the bags, boys. And uh, I didn't have anywhere to go with the audition. So I just started doing pull-ups and I did a few pull-ups and then like dropped down. I was like, ah, thanks for carrying the bags, boys. And uh, We watched it back and he was just like, there's no way you're not booking this. Like, this is too fucking good. Um so yeah, so it was basically I got back from Argentina for New Year's and Christmas and uh, had the audition came in and went taped it with a buddy and just had a hell of a time with it. And um, yeah, I think uh, the next day I was told I was in the mix. And then the day after that, I got the phone call saying that I was at network for approval. Um, and then about 30 minutes after I got that call, I got another call saying, hey, like you booked it. Uh, you start filming next week. So yeah, that was uh, like January 20th, I think, something like that. So you you get this email and you get the whole 
list of what the character is going to be like that whole cocky douchebag kind of Heisman role kind of quarterback for this college. Yeah. Do you have any prior like football knowledge or anything that like further helped you prepare for the role or did you kind of go in cold Turkey and just kind of roll with the punches, if you will? Uh, no. So I, I, so I grew up, my, my brother was, um, was like the varsity quarterback at our high school. My brother could throw like a, a 60 yard like rope. Um, he, uh, yeah, he was, he was insane. He broke our fence like three different times. He could throw a ball so fast. Like you would hear a whistle coming at you. Uh, so I was blessed enough to have like a brother that was an insane quarterback that could teach me. Um, so yeah, so I grew up, uh, grew up playing, um, just backyard football though. And then once I got into high school, cause I was a hockey kid growing up, I played hockey from when I was four until I was like 15. Um, but my freshman year, I, uh, I played for my high school and I played like seven different positions. I was like backup punter, backup kicker, uh, like second string quarterback, uh, wide receiver, linebacker, Z back. Like I was just anywhere and everywhere. Um, and then the practice after our first game, um, we were doing, uh, we were doing barrel rolls and our coach was like, Hey, take your shoulder pads off. It's cause it was like 97 degrees outside. And I hit the ground and, uh, snapped my collarbone in half. So it was out for the season. Um, so never played football again, like in high school, didn't care. I, honestly, it was, it was a sport that I never had, like anything for high school like competitive wise like football I just didn't care like I played you know tennis in high school I played hockey in high school I cared about that football I just I was much more like let's play in the backyard no pads like just beat the shit out of our our friends and like have a good time that was how I like play football um but no I, I was able to come in there and and uh knowing knowing what I was doing and um I, I definitely had they had uh they had one guy in there that was playing uh, my stunt double, um, who he, he helped me with like the signals and the calls and, you know, just, you know, remembering, you know, calling out the Mike linebacker and all that kind of stuff and cadences. Um, but it was funny because when I showed up the set, the first day we were doing football stuff, um, no one knew if I could play football or if I could even throw a football. Um, and so I got out there and I had a ball thrown to me and I like threw a 40 yard pass, like hit the guy straight at the chest. And they're just like, Oh, okay. You know what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, no, I've done this before. Like I it's okay. Like I can do this. Um, so it was fun, but it was definitely a, a surreal experience to get out there and like, you know, have the plays where I'm doing a, you know, an option and doing a fake pitch for a, you know, run into the end zone and throwing a 40 yard dime for a touchdown. And, um, definitely something I never thought I was going to experience in real life. And then I get to see it and, you know, actually do it for, you know, for fake, but for real. So it was fun. That's awesome. When I was watching the season, like the first thing that came to my mind is Johnny Manziel. Like, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm sure 100%. I'm not. The, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's thought that. No, no. I've seen a few comments on Instagram, a few comments on Twitter when when the when episodes were airing uh, of people doing that doing that correlation right there. Definitely, hundred percent. Hey, 100%. you you were very good in that role. Appreciate it, man. Um, my question to you, though, is you're coming in. This is you said episode 13 was your first appearance, right? Yes, sir. Was it tough 
coming in late into a show that where most of the characters had established some chemistry for the you know past four it's like like you would th- you would think it would be uh, and in some instances they can but I think that's um, that comes comes a lot with the expectations that you that you that you put on it uh, going into it uh, me going into this role uh, you know and I'm blessed to have like a buddy who's a lead on a show that I can talk to and, and, and can give me like insight. My buddy Chase that he plays John B in Outer Banks. Um, and so when I booked this, I called him and I talked to him and he was just like, you know, man, like, he's like, you're, you're a great actor. You know what you're doing. Go in there, make sure, make sure you treat everyone with kindness. Like you always do. And just do your work, do your job. And like, don't even worry about that. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, I wasn't going in there to be like, oh, I need to make friends with everyone and I hope they all like me. It's just, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to be professional. And at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully leave a smile on everyone's faces. Um, so that was like the, that was the status quo I stuck to. And uh, I think, it, I think it worked out pretty well. Um, but also that cast, everyone is so humble and so kind and so respectful. Um, it wasn't like, you know, no one was not accepting of anyone. It was as soon as you got there, oh, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Like, yeah, no, you know, how have you been? Like, what have you been up to? Like, how's your day going? Everyone was super, super sweet. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think that's one of the biggest life lessons for a lot of people is don't put expectations on that kind of stuff and uh, go in there and just have fun, do good work. And, and it's usually a good time. I think that's great. And that makes it all the better experience for you. I mean, there are 20 seasons total for the episode. You jump in in season 13 and immediately you have this sense of family and, you know, the sense of camaraderie with, with the cast, which kind of, you know, goes into the whole theme of sports and family and everything. So I think that's great that you not only felt that on the screen, but off the screen too. Yeah, man. And I'm not, and I'm not going in there to try to steal the, uh, steal the spotlight. Like I'm going in there, to uh to just add to the show and to like and to play the role that I'm there to play um so you know it's like I said I wasn't going in there to be like oh let's be best friends let's do this it was like hey like I respect you you guys have been doing this for four seasons and put your you know blood sweat and tears into this to make this the show that it is so I, I want to come in here and I want to add to that and I don't want to take away from that in any way shape or form um and I and I and I, and I feel pretty uh confident and happy with with my work and I, I feel like I did that so uh, yeah, man. But it. Yeah, like like Josh said, you know, you you really do fit the role well. I mean, you know, we, me and him both watch from season one to season four, and and there have been a lot of characters that have that have come and go, but yours has really stuck out with what's going on with co- the college theme right now. So we really appreciate that, man. And aside from you know, obviously reading the scripts and you know, preparing in that sense before. Was there any expect other expectations from the writers for the show in terms of preparation? Like, you know, we want you to do, you know, certain workouts beforehand or study any sort of like football. Like, was there anything like that that they wanted you to come in with before you, you jumped into that first scene? No, man. And I, I didn't really have any time. It was from the audition to filming. I think I maybe had like seven days and like three days with the script before going into it. Um, when I got back from Argentina, I definitely got back in the gym because uh, the pastries down there are delicious. And uh, we spent a lot of time at the beach, so not a lot of time in the gym. Uh, so I, I packed on a few pounds. So when I got back, I, I was immediately back in the gym and trying to lean back out. Um, and I think it just played well. I was able to was able to like get back down to a weight that I liked right before uh, starting the filming. And 
as as I film, I don't you, you know I don't know if it translate on screen, but I progressively got like lost more and more weight. So like if you if you watch from episode thirteen to episode twenty, my face will progressively like get leaner and leaner and leaner. Um, but yeah, man, no, they uh, they were they were they were super cool. They, they you know I came and I did my thing, um, and like I said, man, everyone was super sweet. Like the, my first day there, uh, they came up there just like, hey, like we loved your tape. Like we we don't see anybody else playing this role. Like we we think you really embody it perfectly. Um, and as a, as the time went on and as we filmed more and more, um, I, I would still get that same love. Um, so yeah, uh, they didn't expect anything of me. They let me do my thing, and um, and yeah, I think that's the that was the great thing about it. They didn't put any pressure on it. Kind of going off, not having uh, a lot of pressure or stuff like that. Has it has it hit you yet that you're part of like a Netflix hit, and not even just a Netflix hit, but like a hit show for the past four seasons? You know, it's it has. I mean, there's been like I, I've gotten noticed a few times being out now, which has never happened. Which is it was really cool. Like my wife and I, we went out to Costco the other day, and we were like checking out, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get me a Costco hot dog. And like while we were waiting for that, and I just hear uh, Christian, and like I turn around and I see this this mother and her daughter, um, and like I'm looking at the mother, and I'm just like, "Am I supposed to know you? Do I know you? Have we met?" Like, oh shit, like, and she was just like, "My daughter's a huge fan of the show. Uh, she was just wondering if she can get a photo." And like, my heart was just like. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, this is too cool. Like, oh, I would love to. Yeah, please. So I went over and I talked to them and uh, they were they were super sweet. And uh, it's funny enough, like a few like me, uh, me, Derek and Daniel, uh, Derek, who plays Clay. Uh, we all we all work out at the same gym. So like the other day I was with I was with Derek and we were at the gym and we had a guy come up and he noticed he noticed him and then saw me and him talking. He's like, wait, you're on the show, too. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you guys all just work out here gotten to interact with people as much as I've had, like going back and forth on Twitter and uh, had fun with the fans. Um, but it's it's one of those ones where I'm always just, uh, and it's all the process of getting to the place that I want to be in my career. Um, so it's hit me. Um, and I'm just I'm just excited for what the future holds. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to be my best in the present and just, uh, just enjoy every, everything that's happening right now. Yeah, that that's awesome. Like that story you just yeah. told about running into uh the fans at Costco, like something that's so yeah. small. That, like that's awesome. Um, my my next question for you. One of my favorite scenes, multiple scenes from this season. I don't want to spoil too much, but a big storyline was the NIL deal and how Wade Waters really focused on his brand versus football, how Layla being this beat, beat writer was so focused on her big story. So talk a little bit about what that was like, especially with how the past less than a year now since the NCAA made the NIL name image likeness ruling and how this has now become a huge storyline in the show. Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's I think it's just a testament to the uh, the writers and NK and and everyone who who's created the show for them to um, to keep up with the times and to uh, to be able to like show because there's you know there's so many people who watch the show um, so they they want to keep it as grounded and as real as they possibly can. I mean, yes, there's going to be heightened drama and scenarios and 
But I mean, life has all those scenarios and just might not be as compacted as the show. Um, so I think it's definitely, it's, it's, it was an honor to be able to like bring that to the table and then play with that and, um, you know, have something that is very relevant to today's time and not, you know, acting like it just doesn't exist yet. Um, so like just, just a testament to MK, the writers, everyone on the show to be able to bring that out and, uh, and, uh, and put that out there for people to actually understand and see and like get a good understanding of what is going on. Cause there's plenty of people I'm sure who have watched that that had no idea that players couldn't be paid or couldn't receive royalties for their name image, image likeness and stuff like that. And it's been a struggle for, for so long and, and it's been out there in the news and, you know, people talk about it, but the fact that the show was able to shed a light on it and put the good and the bad on it, you know, the good with, you know, how it helped out Spencer and what he was able to do with the community and then the negative with Wade and, and, and his interferences with it. I think that was probably one of my favorite parts within the last seven episodes was them shedding the light on that because I feel a lot of people don't know what college students go through, you know, whether you're- Oh yeah, man or D3 athlete, it, it, it's almost like a second job. And I think you really yeah. see that within within those seven episodes. Yeah, and then and, and you see a bunch of those, you know, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, um, they have, they, they have pool and they can, they can get people and viewerships and stuff like that. Uh, they work their, they work their asses off to be the best and to not be able to receive anything until you're actually a professional. When, I mean, if you're playing D1, D2, anything like that, you're playing college level, like you're playing pro level, I, I still think. Um, so it's, it's great that people, and I mean, so many, like, they, like you said, man, people can take care of their communities now they can take care of their families. Um, because you have people like, you know, Spencer James, uh, who, who comes from, you know, you know, a low income housing to where like, oh, now he has the means to be able to provide for the family around him. Um, and I think that's just like a, a beautiful thing. And like, people don't recognize it. Like, oh, why are you going to give this kid money? It's like, well, he, that kid can now take care of his family and like feed people. Like, why would you not want to do that? Absolutely. And I really think the show honed on that, which was great. So as we've, you know, been discussing, you were, when uh, joined episode 13, you had a lot of different, you know, scenes that you did, a lot of different appearances that you made. So what I want to know is, you know, whether it was because of the actor that you were working with or just because of what the scene was, what was your favorite? Now, I can probably eliminate one when a certain... <laughs> so I'm guessing it's not that one, but if you had to pick one, what, what would you say was your favorite? Um, you know, I really, I really enjoyed the scene. Um... <laughs> I mean, we had some fun scenes. Uh, but I really enjoyed the scene with uh, Sam, uh, Olivia, when we uh, when she interviewed me. Um, I think that was just like, you know, I I never would say that in real life, but when you get to play the asshole, you can. It's really fun. Um, so to be like that, that that asshole that Wade is. Um, like, I think that was a fun scene to do. And she was, and she was super great to work with. Uh, but it was just fun to be in that moment and, like, have that back and forth um, and to, like, see her reaction and everything. Um, not giving away too much. But, yeah, I think, I think probably filming with, uh, with Samantha Logan uh, in, in her interview, I think that was probably one of my favorite ones to do. 
And I got two questions before we wrap up. The first one is, do you like playing this asshole character, someone that you're probably not at all? Yeah. You know, man, it's it's one of the it's like the furthest thing from me. Uh, it's it's but it's it's it is it is fun to play the asshole. Like if you ask anyone, it's it's fun to do it. Um, and I think it's because you know you get to do something that you, it's just not you. Um, but I mean, the I think my biggest thing with it was you know I was bullied a lot in high school, middle school, elementary school. Like I didn't have any friends really in school. I had a few, but like I got bullied a lot. Um, and so to get to play the bully, uh, I think my biggest thing with Wade was anybody who watched the show and saw how I treated Spencer, saw how I treated Jordan, um, I wanted anybody seeing that to feel what they felt and to like feel what, how that would feel if like someone talked to them that way. Um, because that's how I was taught to. And I want people to understand like how it does affect people and how damaging and how hurtful it can be. Um, and I think that was my biggest thing is I wanted people to take the, I wanted people to feel that emotion. So it's like the empathy to be like, you know, oh, like that would suck to have that happen because it happened to me in real life. You know, when I was in freshman in high school, I had my whole, my own team hold me up against lockers while another teammate tried to throw punches on me. Uh, so. I think that's the fun part for me with playing the asshole is uh, getting people to understand that, that that is a real thing. And like, you know, I want people to feel the pain that I went through, I guess. It's, it's a little cathartic for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. And my last question, then we'll, we'll wrap up. What can fans expect for Wade Waters? Because it looks like he's going to be at least I don't know I don't know I haven't uh I don't know I don't know um you know uh nothing has been confirmed to me uh uh but I um you know how the season ends um it leaves it open um you know with uh with Jordan doing his thing and you know and me doing my thing people I don't want to ruin for people but when you watch it you'll understand the things that I'm talking about um so yeah I uh I don't know let's uh we'll, we'll have to wait until August <laughs> and, uh, and as fans of the show we'll have to wait till it comes out on CW or if you wait for Netflix mm. we'll have to wait for it to come out on Netflix Christian yeah man we just want to thank you for joining us this was a pleasure we had a blast oh, guys I appreciate you I appreciate you guys. No, thank you for guys for having me. I was a, it was a blast talking to you guys. Well, we want to thank Christian again for joining us. It was a great interview. Castle, I'm sure uh, you're a huge All-American fan. I'm sure it was a, a delight to hear one of our favorite shows start from one of our favorite shows, just live and in person. So what, what was your big takeaway from listening to Christian? such a you know humble guy he was really just all about coming on and just you know answering whatever questions we had I didn't feel like you know obviously aside from giving stuff away and spoiling stuff I feel like you know it was just a very casual thing and you know you never know what it's like when you're going to interview someone in Hollywood and I think 
he just, you know, exceeded expectations. And like you said, you know, we've watched this show from the beginning and to, you know, hear about his interactions with the cast and what it's like for him on set to get us, you know, even get his sports background a little bit, uh, talk about his connection, his real life connection with the guy who plays John B and Outer Banks. I mean, all of it. So it was fantastic. And aside from interviewing him, you know, in general, it's, it's a moment for all of us to really take and pat ourselves on the back because, you know, when this podcast was started, I don't think anyone thought that we would be interviewing guys on Netflix shows and, you know, famous TikTok guys, whatever. So just another great interview and, you know, really, really humbling guy. And I'm really excited for fans uh, to listen to this interview. Yeah, agreed. And now we want to transition into uh, the hardwood. My favorite sport, TJ, it's probably become your favorite sport with how your Bruins finished their season, but have no fear with your Celtics going up 2-1 last night in the NBA Finals, taking down the Golden State Warriors. And the first two games, it was kind of a lot a lot of back and forth, but game three looked a lot different, TJ. It, it was pretty much controlling, and every single time the Warriors had uh, had a counter, had a through a punch, the, the Celtics had a counter. So what was your big, uh, the big thing for that, that caused the Celtics to be able to control home court so efficiently? Well, one, before I give my answer, I just want to give a little stat because you know how much I love stats here on this podcast. Uh, so, so the Celtics had four guys go 10, five and five in game three. And that was Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford and Marcus Smart. And the last quartet to do that in the NBA Finals was Bill Russell, Sam Jones, Casey Jones, and John Havlicek in 1966. So that's kind of some legendary company. But my answer to your question is, it's I've said it before and I'll say it again, defense. The Celtics defense is just, I think it's too much for Golden State. I mean, it didn't look like that in game two. But I think home court advantage definitely plays a role in the playoffs. We've seen that as kind of a trend this whole this whole postseason. Um, but having guys like we've talked about, Derek White stepping up and becoming becoming a household name at this point between among Celtics fans and NBA fans alike, and I just love seeing. Robert Williams playing on like 75%, if not less than that, but still being a, a defensive machine. I think the Celtics just have too much size and Golden State just can't match them in, in size. It's The Celtics won the rebound battle last night. I don't remember the end of the game stats because I evidently fell asleep, but Defense wins championships, and if the Celtics can keep it up, it'll make it. It'll make it tough. TJ, I know you like bold takes. Is that correct? I do. I've been a man to make some bold takes here on this podcast. I think I want to give you a bold take. I want to see what you think of it. You ready? If the Celtics win the finals, I think the finals MVP will not be Jason Tatum. Nor will it be Jalen Brown. It's going to be Al Horford. And the reason why I say this is 
you mentioned the size, you mentioned the defense, you mentioned the rebounding. It's great seeing uh, Robert Williams being this presence in the middle, but really it's the ability to stretch from the perimeter also and in the paint. It's Draymond Green basically being a nobody on the court. Andrew Wiggins has had a tough, tough time getting his shots up, which he needs to if the Warriors are going to win. So I really think that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're going to get their points. But this is kind of a situation where Andre Iguodala won finals MVP. Shout out Max Kellerman only a, like a week ago of that anniversary. Um, no, but seriously, I, <laughs> I think that uh, Al Horford has a very good chance at winning finals MVP. He had 26 points in game one that really sparked the Celtics comeback win when Jason Tatum sucked. Game two, the team lost. So that's kind of a wash because no one really played well in game two. They lost by base and they lost by 30, I believe. Game three, Jason Tatum was not super spectacular, but Jalen Brown was. Al Horford filled the, the stat sheet. Game four, we haven't seen what, what's happened yet, but Draymond Green looks very aggravated. And I think that is because of Al Horford matching up against him. His size, his physicality is too much for Draymond. He's a bigger body. Robert Williams doesn't need to play heavy minutes because of Al Horford. Daniel Tice isn't really getting on the court because Al Horford's playing big minutes. Grant Williams is playing very well alongside Al Horford. Jason Tatum's being able to do his thing, but I think Al Horford is really the spark plug and the, the key for the Celtics right now. It's really funny you bring that up because I was, I was going to bring it up regardless of where we went with this whole conversation. Took the words kind of, not kind of, but straight out of my mouth. I don't have anything else to say, but I, I think Al Horford's going to win playoff MVP if they, if they evidently go on to win. But yeah, your, your point is going to, was going to be my point. So kudos to you, sir. I guess it's not that bold then. I guess not, but hey, maybe other people aren't thinking the way we are. And now, Castle, I just want to go back to you. We, we were talking about the Celtics and what's really going right for them, and it's the Jason, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown tandem. Curry's been able to do well, but clearly that's not enough. So what do you think the Warriors need to do to get back in the series and not avoid going down 3-1? Because we've seen Curry drop 30 last night. Clay Thompson wasn't too bad, but other than that, there's a big drop-off in their production. So, first of all, going off of Clay, yes, he did have – you know, he's putting up some pretty good numbers. And listen, he's coming off of two insane injuries that none of us can relate to in, in any way. However, he is still Clay Thompson. And you look at what Golden State did during their time running the league with their championships. It was the Splash Brothers, and then you had other guys contributing. So I think Clay Thompson needs to get into a more comfortable rhythm. You, you guys might, you know, have seen it differently, 
But when I was watching him in the first half last night, he was there were some shots that he was rushing, that he was chucking up. That's not Clay Thompson. Steve Kerr needs to find a way to get him set up, maybe move the ball around a little more before it gets to him. I don't know the technicality of how that would improve, but Clay Thompson needs to get into a comfortable rhythm where he doesn't feel like he's being rushed. And I guess that stems from the Warriors getting a lead early on. The ball needs to be contributed a little more. Draymond Green, you know, we, we talked about him, how he's not matching up with, with Hortford. He needs to get more aggressive. If they're crashing the boards more, then that's more possession. I mean, last night there was a play where Robert Williams got the ball three different times before it finally went in. And I don't know if Green is being lazy or, you know, I don't know what's going on with him. But we've talked about it on this show that when he's out of the equation for Golden State, they're missing something big. And even with him being part of this team right now while they're in the finals, he's still not being his full self. So you need that three to be working together on the same page. It can't just be Curry dropping 30 points. Then beyond that, I mean, you know, there are other guys on that team that I'm, I'm sure can step up and, and, and definitely have big games. Uh, you know, Peyton, I don't really, I haven't been following too much in the, fi- uh, with him too much in the finals, but when I've been talking to people, they said that they were excited to see what he could do. So maybe he's a name that could step it up. Uh, who else? Uh, Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Had a huge first three series and has been very quiet in the finals. That, okay. So basically take what, I'll, what I just said and, and move it down the road. Jordan Poole, he is a young spark plug for this team that has given Golden State a huge boost. Get the ball in his hand. Let him control the court a little bit. Curry doesn't need to have the ball, you know, 24-7 the entire game. He can get hot at any time. It's Curry. Let these other guys step up and do what they need to do. So to answer your question, I think Golden State needs to spread the wealth a little more. And I think they need to really just get into a rhythm better and be more aggressive. Again, Robert Williams is not playing at his full capacity. So when Green is matched up with him, you, he's experienced. He's been in the finals before. He needs, to, he needs to get his head in the game. And, you know, we could do- maybe dive in a little deeper of what's going on in his mind. But I'd say just getting in a better, better rhythm overall and having really more guys other than Curry really step up. So far in the first three games – it looks like we, we're seeing a rookie head coach out, out coach one of the greatest head coaches of all time, Emi Odoka, who we've harped on for the past how many weeks, is a rookie head coach that is out coaching the legendary Steve Kerr. It, it's crazy to say now because everyone has praised Steve Kerr for so long now, but this finals. There have been so many instances where he can make changes and just doesn't. For instance, Draymond Green clearly isn't playing like himself. The Warriors have options. If you need a young spark plug, if you need a defender, if you need a shooter, if you need a stretch forward who could match up physicality against Jason Tatum, why not try putting Kuminga out on the floor for a few minutes? 
He's a, he was drafted number four for a reason or five, one of those two. He was drafted in the top five. I know that. There's no reason why he shouldn't be getting minutes. They also have Moses Moody, who is also a lottery pick. Those two are, haven't seen the, the court yet in meaningful basketball. Only game two when it was a blowout. It really is shocking that Steve Kerr is now waiting until they're down to go to call a Hail Mary type play. And who knows if he'll actually use it because it seems like he's sticking with his guns, which look, it's been successful in past years, but as the league catches up, you have to make adjustments too, no matter if you're new to the finals or if you're a defending champ. So if I think the Warriors, if they need a win, then Kerr needs to get even more creative with his lineups. And that's my big takeaway with watching the Warriors so far. You can't rely on Curry. You can't rely on Draymond. You can't rely on Clay. You got to mix and match. You got to say, okay, we're going to run this lineup of Curry, Poole, Kaminga, Looney, and Gary Payton and try that out. I know people may not agree with that because that's what the regular season is for, but the Warriors were very injured. Clay, Curry, Draymond didn't really play together. So the other role players have, have had plenty of experience this year. So that's really my big takeaway from it. I want to pose a question and there, there might be a very quick answer to this, but I'm just kind of, you know, thinking, about what else could be the Warriors' uh, struggles. Could this Celtics team be the toughest defensive matchup throughout the past few finals that we've seen them in? I don't think Cleveland had a defense like, like this with LeBron. So I, I think may, maybe Kerr is having a, struggling a little bit with the defensive situation because in the past, he's been able to go punch for punch offensively with what we saw with the splash brothers and other factors. I don't think we've seen like a, a team defense buy in and work as hard since the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, when they won the finals in 2013 or 2014, one of those years, I don't remember which, but it was somewhere around the time of the Miami Heat-San Antonio rivalry. But it's easy. Yeah, Steve Kerr hasn't seen a defense like this. No one has seen a defense like this. But the Bucks won the finals last year. The Lakers won the finals the year before. The Raptors the year before that. So it has been a while for Steve Kerr. So he's had time to adjust and see some of the other stars in this league. He's seen Jason Tatum grow into a superstar. He's seen Jalen Brown uh, rise into this hell of a Robin option. He's seen Marcus Smart grow into the defensive player of the year. And then no one really expected Al Horford to be this X factor that he's become in the, the playoffs. So it's really the whole team buying in. And when the whole team buys it, it's very special. So I think it is fair to say that no team in recent years has seen a defensive-minded team like the 
the Celtics. And it's still crazy to think that this is only year one with, with their head coach. And I, the sky's the limit for this team. However, one thing that – the only thing that I concern myself with with this Boston team, and I, really, and I really like Tatum, but we've seen some inconsistencies with him in the playoffs. And my worry is, is that his inconsistencies could make this team fall through the cracks, but right now – we're not really seeing that. Otherwise, this this Boston team, if they if they can pull off this finals win, we we could be something see something very special here brewing for the years to come. I I just want to double down on what you said because I agree with you to an extent. I think there's a better way of wording what you just said. It's not his inconsistency because he's still growing. I think the Celtics as a whole rely on the three too much. And that's where there yeah. the issues. That's because, where I I'm worried because yep. we saw, we saw in the Miami series, how they could go one game and shoot the lights out and make 23s. And then the next game, they struggled to make five and lose by 30. So that's where the inconsistency and the frustration comes in as a basketball fan. Because one game you're shooting 20 of, the 35 from three can't miss a shot. The next game you go five of 40, you barely score 80 points. And that's just them relying on shooting threes too much. And that's kind of the, the blame of shooting threes. So you kind of live by the three and you die by the three. Definitely a better way of wording it because that's where the issues fall with him is when he's missing all of these threes they, they rely on the three too much. Exactly. I mean, listen, he can shoot a three every now and then, but if you look at how he can handle the ball and his size and how he moves, I mean, I, I don't know if we've talked about it in the past, but you see some similarities with the dominance with his play with him and Kevin Durant. So if he can shift a little more to that and a little, you know, less away from the three, this team could be big. They really could. And my big thing when, especially when he's having those bad shooting nights, because it happens, bad shooting nights happen. He is dropping like 10 plus assists on those nights. If you look, especially in the Miami series where he had like three of 15 from the field nights, look at down in the assist columns, 13 assists, 14 assists, 10 assists all in the Miami series alone. So he is dominating when he's not supposed to be dominating. He's still making himself known in the game and having an impact when most stars or most players would just be trying to chuck up shots and try to find their rhythm that way. So that that's a big step in his growth as a superstar in the league. And that's a, that's a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of people bash him for it. You know, I was talking to my brother about this and he's like, oh, you know, uh, Tatum sucks and, and this and that. He, 
he doesn't suck. He's a young guy in a league that is, you know, evolving with not only a new coach, but other guys too. I mean, you know, TJ, as a fan, you know, me, you know, of the Celtics, do you see the, do you see the struggles with Tatum the same way that Josh and I have been talking about it, that his biggest issue is that he's, you know, him and the team as a whole are relying on the three too much, which kind of bumps his stats down. Or do you think there's, you know, other stuff with, with Tatum that, that might be delaying his game a little bit that could make people like my brother say he's, you know, a bum or, or whatever, however you want to phrase it. Well, first of all, like your brother just sounds like a typical Jason Tatum hater. He has one, one off game. Oh, he sucks. He's terrible. Like basketball fans can be like, yeah, this game, he sucked. But then we said that, like people said that in the Heat series and he went out and dropped 46. Or was the Heat series, the Bucks series, one of the two, I don't remember. But anyway, I think like the, the thing with Tatum, like I agree with you guys, he's still young. He still has a very high ceiling and a lot of, a lot of growth to do. But I also agree that they, they live by the three, they die by the three. And that's, that's not something that's kind of like, especially in this series, it's not going to win them games because the Warriors have as equal amount of shooters that can shoot threes, die by the three, whatever. I just, I think they need to use their size more. Like we already talked about that. But another big thing for me is turnovers. Yesterday they had in the first, in the first half, they had eight, the Celtics had eight turnovers resulting in 14 points for the Warriors. Like that's, that's not something that. And then, and then four in the second half, and that's what, when they're able to dominate. Right. So for me, it's when one player is off, it tends to lead to a lot of turnovers and they tend to force passes a lot. For example, Tatum is using his size to drive to the lane and wants to dish across the key to Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown in the corner through traffic when he has the size to finish at the rim and either get the bucket or and one, get the foul, whatever. I I just think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else, is, what else more to say is it's turnovers have been killing them all postseason. Saw that big time in the Miami series when they had that one game with, what was it, 24 turnovers or 26 turnovers, something like that. It was, it was something completely ridiculous. So I think, like, with inconsistency comes those turnovers. And I think what needs to happen is, like what Josh was saying, when Tatum's off an inconsistent shooting – he fills up the stat sheet with boards and assists. He's, he'll still dish the rock. He'll still attack the, attack the boards, get rebounds, dish the ball in transition, whatever. But I, they just need to stick to more like fundamental basketball, play, play big. They, they have the size. Play big on Golden State. Play him in the post. You have Al Horford, who's turning back the clock this year. You have Robert Williams. You have Grant Williams. The list goes on. Even... Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have decent to, to good post post play. So they just need to stick to the fundamentals and try to iron out the inconsistencies and, and not turn the ball over as much as they have. So to your point about that, in this postseason, when the Celtics turn the ball over 15 or more, 
15 or fewer times, they're 14 and two this, this postseason. When they commit 16 or more turnovers, they're 0 and 5. So a big difference. And if that, that really is the key for the Celtics to win this finals. They're up, they're in control for now. If they can, can, if they can keep possession of the ball and limit their turnovers, ultimately that will result in them winning more games. So that, that really is the big factor for the Celtics is limiting turnovers. And before we wrap up this week's episode, we just want to give a few shout outs again, Christian James, all American Wade waters, truly a pleasure having him on a great interviewee, really incredible person to talk to and just listen to what he had to say. So thank you again for coming on Kevin wild chat sports, great partner. They're doing a great job as well. So make sure you check them out at Wild Chat Sports. Man of many hats, TJ. Filling in for Steve again. Thank you for coming on. Got great content on our Instagram page. So make sure you check out our Instagram at at the 3P podcast. See all the work TJ is putting in. Had a great promotion that was leading up to this episode that you guys could check out when you guys are listening to the episode. Um, really great, uh, work on, uh, Christian, just using one of his scenes from all American. I was hyped. Castle was hyped when we both watched those scenes, um, Liberty shirt co and OP sports betting are two partners. We love being partnered with them. Liberty shirts makes the best dress shirts for any occasion. Make sure you check them out. So you get fitted and styled like a pro and op sports betting we're very excited about their launch crypto betting is right up our alley i i'm hyped for that to to launch lose some money well hopefully make some money too but probably lose some money but all in good fun so again thank you all for listening and have a good night Weather is getting nicer, which means more events, whether it's a wedding or a date, Liberty Shirt Co. has you covered. They're offering three shirts for $333. Now, this may seem like a lot, but this is essentially less money than what you would spend on gas in a month, and the shirts will last a long time. And don't forget to use promo code 3P at checkout to save 10% on all other orders. That's promo code 3P at checkout. You save 10% when you go to www.libertyshirtco.com.